South is full of superstition, folklore, and spooks. I think it's because of our large number of Scottish descendants, but it could also be because people move slower here. We spend lots of time sitting around the table or on our dusty front porches. We're natural-born storytellers. We believe in community and keeping traditions alive. Southern Gothic literature focuses on grotesque themes, often featuring broken, damaged, and delusional characters with possible supernatural elements. It's a vibrant genre that has long captured the attention of audiences. Authors who write Southern Gothic embrace their heritage and write about what they know best, the mysterious, murky madness that staunch tradition, religion, and secrecy create. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. It was the time of year when leaves crunch under bare feet, and the wind hints at a time when the world would become cold. Winter was coming, but not for a while still. A gentle breeze blew through the windows, tattered lace curtains performing a sexy number with rhythmic sways and peaks underneath. The sound of crickets and bullfrogs in the distance and the evening sun beginning its nightly descent. I couldn't help but feel this anxiousness that always settled into my soul, just at the thought of another day's passing. I'd die here, in this decrepit house with its peeling paint, creaky floors, and old iron sinks that spit rusty water upon turning them on. I'd never make it out alive. It's the roots that bind us, my grandmother had warned a few weeks before leaving us. The South and Midnight Manor have a way of rooting you here. You will think you're different. You'll believe that you're the one who will escape. But it's not true. So far from it, no one escapes his grasp. Hazel, get in here, my dad said, pulling me from my reverie. I stepped carefully down the hallway. Careful to avoid the creaking floorboards I'd grown to memorize over the years. Yes, sir, I asked, finding him in the parlor, feet up and drinking. Get me another, will you? He asked, not even looking at me. As I walked to the kitchen, I thought about how he looked there, like he owned the place, like it was his. But we all knew better even the house. It wouldn't allow any of his work to improve it. I believed it was its way of trying to get him to leave, but we both knew he wouldn't. He'd have no place to go. He'd die here too. I sat the beer on a coaster, which he quickly snatched up, took a swig, then placed it on the bare mahogany. The water-worn circles from his negligence patterned the top of Grandma's once beautiful antique table. I cringed but didn't say anything. I made my way to the door, suddenly feeling the need to get away from everything. 
bare toes tipped their way to the door. I'd halfway turned the knob when he called out, just where do you think you're going? Just down the river out yonder, not far. I took a breath, my fingers balling around my white cotton dress. He let out this deep grunt, which told me it was all right for me to continue. When I stepped outside, I took a moment to breathe in the air. I already felt better just being out here. One thing I loved about Midnight Manor was how far off the road it was. Its dirt drive was barely visible, only those who belonged knew about it, and a thick wood separated us from the world, while the river met the outer right edge of the property. I ducked under a sweeping oak branch as I found the small trail from the yard to the river. I navigated carefully. Stickers were everywhere, but my feet had grown hard and tough over the years. The soles were ragged and worn. I could hear the water beyond the wild noises of the wood. Oh, how I loved the sound of water washing away everything. Time, structure, dirt, sin. The grass became damp under my feet as I reached the riverbank. Under the spy of a bright, full moon, I tiptoed into the water. Its cool temperature sent a shiver throughout my body, but I didn't relinquish. I needed to be washed, to be free, to be taken. As I shakily proceeded farther and farther into the Indian River, I wondered about Mama. I hadn't thought of her in a long time, barely knew her. A sudden flash of ancient memory flooded my mind. Her body floating, her dress splayed around her, transparent. A magnolia bloom floating just above her head, eyes closed, lips purple. She held something. I pushed deeper into the memory, trying desperately to pluck the truth from the imaginary. Had I seen her? Was I there? Water splashed around my waist as I reached for her body, trying to grab her blue fingers before she washed away again. Mama, I called out. It was her face. A photograph of her still hung in the house along with my grandma's and her mother before her. Their haunting faces watched as I walked down the hall, their eyes burning into me. I wondered if they were trying to tell me something. I clasped my index finger around her pinky and tugged her closer, water creeping up my neck, toes grabbing at the river floor beneath. Mama, come back, I whispered, still not believing what I was seeing. She'd been gone for 19 years since I was one. She couldn't be here. It couldn't be her. Am I dreaming? The sound of a current pricked my ears and my heart jolted. I knew that rapid. It was a bad one. I began to pull myself and her toward the bank, but the river had other plans. Its wet arms tugged us closer to the rapid, despite my pulling. I gulped a wave of water splashing into my mouth. My hair wrapped around my neck as I turned, keeping my eyes on the live oaks that lined the bank. I pulled as hard as I could. My left foot stepped on something sharp, a rock or a bottle. I couldn't be sure, and I screamed in pain. A sharp twinge of pain ran up my leg, throbbing. I slipped, and the river took me, took us. Dark skies, the bright moon, and a million wonders were above me, as the world went black. When I opened my eyes, a man stared down at me, 
his blue eyes bright in the dark wood. Who are you? I asked, my voice a whisper. Before waiting for an answer, I glanced around to see if she was still with me. Had he saved her too? My mother, did you see her? Feeling frantic, I stood, head pounding and chest feeling like it had been beaten. There was no one else, he said, eyes steadied on me, never diverting. She was here, I told him, knowing that to be the truth now. I had seen her. I had touched her soft hand. She'd come back for me. It was only you. It's always only you, he said. Flashes of him throughout the years, the many dark nights by the river, my mother floating, him saving me from the river. All from memory. Why do you keep saving me? I whispered, not wanting to accept the truth, like by saying it, I'd given it some sort of hold on reality. You've never asked me that before, he said, hesitating, shifting his body from one foot to the next, his strong jaw twitching slightly. Well, I'm asking you now. I save you, because you have something I'll need one day. What could I have that you'd need? I asked, knowing that I had nothing save my name. He shook his head like he wasn't going to give it up. If I don't save you, the curse will. And it's not the kind of saving you'll want. Southern Gothic literature first emerged in the early 20th century in the Southern United States with its roots digging deep in the European Gothic styles from the 19th century. Southern writers were inspired by great romantic authors like Mary Shelley, the Bronte sisters, and Lord Byron, even being inspired by the literary genus of the U.S., Edgar Allan Poe. Gothic literature by nature focuses on the darker side of things, the supernatural, unexplainable, the things that go creak in the night, the sinister side of human nature in the decaying traditions and morals of society. Some of the most famous authors of this literary style are Tennessee Williams, William Faulkner, Flannery O'Connor, Carson McCullers, Eudora Welty, and Harper Lee. In classic Gothic novels like Frankenstein, author Mary Shelley used Gothic descriptions and techniques to create a suspenseful tale while exploring the dynamics of creator and creation. Southern Gothic writers took it a step further. They used their art to expose the problems of their society in hopes to inspire change. They portrayed the South in all its grandeur and decay. They highlighted what was quaint and beautiful about it while attacking its negative, sometimes backward thinking. They wanted to improve the moral standard of their day by combating racial prejudices, class differences, and gender inequality. They explored the difficulty of abiding by a strict social code. There was, and still is to some degree, a code of manners, dress, and habits that must be upheld if you were to be considered a proper southerner. Modeled after English aristocracy, these rules distinguished one from the haves and the have-nots. Think. Gone with the Wind, 
the antebellum period was something to be reckoned with. Since 1865, the end of the Civil War, the South began to decay, and the haves no longer had. This disruption and decline of traditional Southern life fascinated authors like Tennessee Williams and William Faulkner. Another aspect of Southern Gothic tradition is writing about characters who appeared normal, proper on the outside, while on the inside they were quietly in despair, and their lives, sometimes morally or by circumstance or both, are crumbling into darkness. Authors also revealed the brutal scars slavery left on the culture of both sides. No sin goes unpunished. Their literature goes into the tensions between the North and the South, which always reminds me of the fabulous television series with Patrick Swayze. The North had significant advantages because of the Industrial Revolution, while the South had relied on its agricultural economy. Without it, the South suffered economically for many, many years. Some may argue they're still struggling today. Whole towns losing commerce, residents, and businesses. The old antebellum town I live in now will never be as prominent and wealthy as it was pre-war. Those days are long gone, and for a time, there was a general distaste for northerners because of their part in that loss. You don't hear that much about it these days. We're a couple of generations away from hearing stories of the Old South. But when the Southern Gothic literature authors were writing, that sentiment was still quite strong. Southern Gothic literature discusses the New South and how Southerners were trying to pick up the pieces after the Civil War. And it highlights, in many cases celebrates, the shifting of Southern gentry to a more average status quo. A common thread for Southerners is their confusion of good and evil. The most obvious example is that slavery of any kind is wrong, yet they justified this grave sin to better their situations. This and other types of darkness, hidden beneath the niceties of Southern hospitality, became key in Southern Gothic writing. Literature has always been great at exposing the dark underbelly of society. The role of women in the South changed even slower than the rights of black men. Women didn't get the right to vote until more than 50 years after the Civil War, and the role of a woman in the South was to get married and have children. Typically, the only working women you'd find were those of lower classes. In other words, upper-class women were only there to breed. Though this wasn't only true in the South at the time, Southern women still marry and have children earlier than other parts of the world, with the average hovering around 23 years old. The national average for the U.S. is 26, while the national average in Italy and Spain and other European nations is 31. There are certain character types that you'll see repeated, like the spinster who never married and was misunderstood by the community, like in A Rose for Emily by William Faulkner, or maybe the quiet, wise, professional type like Atticus Finch in Harper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird, or the immigrant, an outsider from Southern society, like Stanley Kowalski and Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire. Or maybe the odd person who just doesn't fit social norms, like Laura Wingfield in The Glass Menagerie. 
with Southern Gothic, you'll also see that the setting is usually in a small town or a notoriously rich cultural center, like New Orleans, for example. It plays with characters' dark secrets, urges, and violence from the past. One common theme throughout Southern Gothic literature is that time doesn't stop, despite how much Southerners wanted things to go back the way they were. Before we can move on, we'll need to talk about the Southern Gothic literature authors that are well known for this genre, like William Faulkner. William Faulkner was one of the earliest and best known Southern Gothic writers. His novels, As I Lay Dying and The Sound and the Fury, are great examples of this literary tradition. He delved into themes of racism, incest, economic stress, and even some spooky people and places. He famously said, quote, the past is never dead, it's not even past, which exemplifies how Southerners truly felt, always haunted by their past and the sins of their past. I visited one of his homes in New Orleans, purchased his book Soldiers Pay There, and stood in the room where he wrote it. It's now a bookstore and worth a stop if you're ever there. Despite having never been a fan of the term Southern Gothic, Flannery O'Connor is another famous author who wrote stories that expose the truth about Southern life. She's known for her short stories, A Good Man is Hard to Find, and Everything that Rises Must Converge. Her works are quite cynical and dark. She explored the deeply complex racial divide of her time, and she didn't shy away from including violent, monstrous characters. I listened to a recording of her from 1960 where she talks about grotesque Southern fiction. She explains that a Southern writer cannot escape the influences of the South any more than she can escape the Catholic sacraments that have marked her soul. She believed that Southerners understood a certain depth of people because of their deep religious entrenchment, and on the flip side of that, their belief in ghosts. To her, it was the job of a Southern writer to exercise those ghosts because Southerners were still able to recognize the complexity and darkness that lived comfortably in the shadows of society, they could write about them. Southern writers saw those shadows as a way to light a path to a new world, a new South. She had a very romantic view of writing. I visited her childhood home in Savannah, Georgia a few years ago. From her window, the spire of St. John the Baptist Cathedral jolts through the trees, upward like a promise in the sky. The cathedral is one of the most impressive churches I've ever seen. The home is quaint and modest. Settled in the heart of downtown Savannah, she had a front row seat to the epitome of Southern life, and she watched. And later, she wrote. Another pivotal figure to mention is Tennessee Williams. Though he wasn't a novelist or short story author, but a playwright, his plays explored dysfunctional families and social injustice. They are great at showing what the South looked like after being stripped of its wealth and pretense, and how the people were coping with all of it. In episode 10, we discuss Conrad Aiken and his writing. His works fall well into the Southern Gothic category, even though he didn't consider himself a Southern writer. My feeling is that he was born there, and he returned there. I'm sorry, Conrad, but we claim you. 
Not only did his works exhibit many of the same characteristics, unfortunately, his life did too. See that episode for details. And of course we can't talk about Southern Gothic writing without discussing Harper Lee. Although Lee used many of the same characteristics as the other authors, To Kill a Mockingbird is much more family-friendly in tone. She also used humor and wrote a hopeful ending, Good Triumphing Over Evil. In the book, Lee still acknowledges the dark past but ends with a hope that Southerners have reconciled with it and will go on to be better by doing good and changing their societies. The book ends with this, quote, Most people are nice when you finally see them. Trying to understand people, to really see them, is the key to all lasting and sincere change, which is why I feel people are so interested in the Southern Gothic genre. We as a people want to understand the South, both past and present, to create a better future. But Southern Gothic goes far beyond the literary figures of the past. It has proved to be an evergreen genre, expanding from literature to television. Shows like True Blood, Rectify, The Originals, Midnight Texas, The Walking Dead, and American Horror Story are examples. And there are many modern Southern Gothic books out there, but a few of my favorites are The Honeysuckle Girls by Emily Carpenter, Sharp Objects, which is also a fantastic television miniseries by Gillian Flynn, Saving Cece Honeycutt by Beth Hoffman, are just to name a few. If you'd like to know more, I've compiled a reading list which will be available on the website. And if you're on Pinterest or Tumblr, you may have noticed the Southern Gothic aesthetic, photos of girls wearing white, floating in water, holding flowers in rich Southern settings. Or you may have seen photos of crumbling mansions, which represent the decay of the Southern landscape, the loss of a pure tradition. People are drawn to these types of things. It's as if they are physical representations of what haunts us all. And since you enjoy podcasts, there's a wonderful one called Southern Gothic that's worth checking out. And if you're okay with a bit more grit, S-Town is another I'd recommend. And of course, Fabled covers many Southern Gothic tales. Musicians use it too. Groups like Haunted Human, one of my favorites, the band Perry, and Miranda Lambert, use these same techniques to enrich the storytelling in their songs. Eudora Welty once said, quote, One place understood helps us understand all places better. I couldn't agree more. I've heard some readers say that they feel almost exploitive for finding Southern Gothics so entertaining, as if by enjoying reading about our pain, our horror, our brokenness, they are somehow profiting from the ghosts that haunt us. Personally, I feel I've benefited from my roots, and I hope those same roots will educate others on this beautifully broken yet mystical place I call home. We're a complicated people with a complicated past, just like many, many other cultures around the world. Art is all about documenting and trying to understand, to make sense of, the grander human experience. Reading works about different places and cultures only add a deeper compassion for people, all people. And really, that's what it's all about. 
I recently visited the home of a retired and now passed on newspaper editor in my town. In his library, he had a letter from Harper Lee, who he'd known for many years. It reminded me just how close I am, we all are, to these stories. For Southerners, they are us. These authors have told our story the best they knew how. It's a murky mess, our history, and there's no way to soften the horrors. But with that complexity has come an ever-growing bloom of diversity. There are many of us now who've learned to embrace the ugly truth, to own our past while still being hopeful about the future. History has given us wisdom, just like in those decaying photos of old houses and those whispers of old charms slowly stripping away. There's something hauntingly beautiful about Southern life. We have been given the good and the bad, and it's up to our generation to make the best choices and steer the South into another direction. It'll be our words, our stories, that will shape its future. We will be the history the future will someday tell. Fable is produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles. Don't forget to check out our website for the full Southern Gothic reading list. Want to support the show? For as little as a dollar a month, you'll receive access to ebooks, additional fiction, bonus episodes, and more. Not to mention that it'd mean the world to me. So, what's your favorite Southern Gothic show, movie, or book? Tell me on social media at Fable Collective. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs>